From Washington, this is Talking Tax. I'm David Schultz. Hey, did you know that the interest you pay on your student loans can be deductible? Wouldn't blame you if you didn't. There are so many carve-outs and phase-outs here, and the rules on this have changed so many times over the years. Not many people actually take this deduction. And that already small number may soon get even smaller if the president follows through on a plan to forgive a huge chunk of federally managed student loans. Bloomberg tax columnist Kelly Phillips-Erb has been thinking a lot about this, not just because student loans are in the news right now, but because she's found herself in the same position of a lot of parents these days, weighing whether to take out student loans for her kid while still paying off her own loans. Kelly recently wrote about this and about why the tax code is laughably behind the times when it comes to student loans. We brought her on the podcast today to talk about that and about how loans played into her daughter's decision, really her family's decision, about where to go to school. We were looking at the money and having some really tough decisions. Um, She's a super smart kid, did phenomenally well on test scores, two-sport athlete, the whole bit. Um, and got into some great schools. And then we had to uh, make the the money decisions. Um, I have three children. Um, they're all great kids. And um, and I know I sound like that mom. Um, but And I am. Um, but well, I want to be smart about how we approach this because I am a first-generation college graduate and went on to law school and also got my master's in tax from law school. So um, so lots of, of, uh, of student loans myself um, because I come from a family that not only had not ever had anyone go to college before, so we hadn't been through this process and didn't understand how you pay for it. Um, and that there might be other options. We just kind of, you know, was blindly going through the process, um, but also didn't have extra resources. So I borrowed. Um, I am still paying off those loans today, um, and I don't want that for my kids. Well, that was one of the things that I really liked about your column is that you addressed that head on. You said, you know, yes, I took out student loans. Yes, I'm still paying them back, and I'm not ashamed of that. Right. And and that's what's really fascinating to me, though, because um, so my husband and I, um, we have never been like there are things we like to do. We do like to travel, but we do not drive fancy cars. We do not have an expensive house. The interesting thing to me is that, um, you know, we're asking kids to to make these decisions at incredibly young ages. But yet, if I told you I had a million dollar house, you probably would not be so judgy you might be judgely, judgy internally, but I suspect you wouldn't say it out loud, right? And that's what's interesting to me is that people feel very comfortable criticizing children, and I am saying <laughs> children, for making these decisions at young ages and in ways that we don't criticize other investments. And I did kind of classify that in my um, in my piece. I consider my education an investment. I do not regret taking out the loans in the abstract. Um, it was the only way I was going to go to school. And um, and I'm thankful that I went to school. So I am not in any way, I, I love my alma mater. I, you know, I'm really happy with the experience. Um, not thrilled with the way my loans were administered, not thrilled with the way that we, um, the, the way that interest works with respect to student loans is just so much different than say a house. Well, I'm glad that you brought up comparing mortgage interest with student loan interest, because that's uh, the thing that I really want to get into that you you touched on. Um, based on your column, it sounds like we treat, or by we, I mean the tax code, 
it sounds like the tax code treats mortgage interest and student loan interest very, very differently. Can you talk about that a little bit and how different it is? Right. Well, so when when we first started the uh, the income tax in in the U.S., um, student loans actually were the interest from those loans were fully deductible because for years as a country we allowed interest from personal debts to be deductible um, on your tax return. And in fact, if you pull up that 1913 return, it actually says on the return um, that the phrase is all interest paid within the year on personal indebtedness of the taxpayer. So we didn't make a distinction between the kinds of debt. And and it only it didn't get simpler from there. It got a lot more complicated after 1913. Oh, sure. And but 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 interest actually did stay deductible for years. And really, when it changed was the big tax reform act, right, in 1986. And um, it's something that I've talked about with my readers, readers and my listeners before. But we, um, you know, Reagan made the big comment about how he would preserve the American dream of homeownership, right? So when when the tax reform act happened in 1986. We um, we held on to uh, home mortgage interest as fully deductible and did away with all other kinds of personal uh, loans. So whether it was student loans, credit card loans, whatever, if it was not business, if it was personal in nature, no longer deductible. Um, and it stayed that way for a bit, then changed under, in the Clinton era um, and, and kind of kept changing. And, and what we have now is an above the line deduction. So that means that you don't have to itemize to claim it. Um, And it is $2,500 per return, not per taxpayer. Um, And there are phase outs, income phase outs uh, that uh, limit the ability of a lot of taxpayers to claim interest. But when you look at it, since you mentioned the home mortgage, we do have limits on home mortgages, but it is a much, much higher limitation, right? And we don't, uh, it's not phased out in the way, um, you know, at these, at these, rates the way that we do um, with uh, student loan interests. One of the things that you mentioned in your column that really surprised me, beyond surprised me, was that, you know, as you mentioned, the the amount of student loan interest you can deduct is $2,500 per per return. Uh, But you were saying that if that number had kept up with the size of student loans over the years, it would actually be at 7,000. Right, because it's so it's not indexed for inflation at all. So it's capped. It's been that same number since 2001, right? And in that same period of time, um, if you had indexed it for inflation, it'd be closer to 4,000. But if you look at how quickly the cost of education has increased, um, comparable to, and I use the, the numbers I ran were based on um, U.S. News and World Report figures over time. They measure it every year. Um, it, it would be, it'd be closer to 7,000. Um, but yeah, we're still capping it at, at 25. I can, and again, per return, not per taxpayer, um, which means that a married couple can only deduct 2,500, the same as a single person. Yeah. So student loans are uh, clearly at the front of your mind, uh, but they're also at the front of the national conversation because President Biden has been talking about forgiving student loans. And I think in his proposal, uh, you know, if this actually comes to pass, Student loans will be forgiven for people earning less than $125,000 a year. However, as you point out, student loan deductions are only eligible for people who earn less than $145,000 a year. And what that would mean is that 
if the president does forgive student loans, according to his plan, there would be really very few people who would be eligible to even take this deduction. Right, right. And so, as you mentioned, the phase outs, they start for um, individuals at 70 and married couples um, at 145. And what's really interesting about that is, you know, already higher income taxpayers are, you know, they're not eligible for the deduction or it's very, very uh, much reduced, which is interesting because on many levels, you'll hear, pe- hear people say, well, you know, why do they need that deduction? But higher income taxpayers oftentimes, like myself, my husband and other people who have written in to me to, to let me know, tend to have higher debt, right? Because some of these higher paying jobs, like tax and law, for example, um, they they take a lot of resources to get there. Um, so it's not unusual for someone to come out of law school or business school, have a lot of debt, but also be a high wage earner. Then you turn around and you talk about exactly what you're talking about, which is that President Biden has suggested that he would eliminate uh, federal debt, federal student loans for folks making less than 125. That leaves a very tiny window of people who would be eligible to claim what is already a pretty small deduction relative to the cost. Are we going to get to a point where, and you actually also brought this up in your column, that are we going to get to a point where really almost no one is using this deduction? And if so... What does that mean for the future of the tax code? So I don't know. I think that's a really great question um, because, you know, I think there's so much changing right now really quickly. Um, for years, we've been talking about student loans, um, you know, uh, and and not a lot has moved. I think this is the first we've really had a lot of conversations about it um, on the, the political scene, right? Like where it's actually made inroads as opposed to just a senator or two talking about it. Um, and, and I don't know what happens with student loans and forgiveness. What is interesting to me, and it's something I mentioned in my column, is that, um, you know, if we decide that we're, well, not we, if President Biden decides to forgive this debt, does that change anything, right? Because then what happens to the kids coming after that? What happens to folks who have loans that were not eligible. Um, maybe they were private loans that weren't eligible. Um, so I don't think the discussion stops. What I think stops may stop, maybe reduced, or things like the ability to claim the um, the student loan interest um, deduction. You know, I, I would like to think that we could maybe have some more thoughtfulness um, from our legislators <laughs> on this topic. You know, maybe it's time to. I don't know, increase the deduction to be commensurate with the kinds of money that people are paying out, maybe change the phase outs um, and so that more people could take advantage of it to create incentives to pay it off. Um, You know, I I don't think that what we're doing now is working. Um, I don't profess to have answers either. Um, But I I don't know that, you know, uh, this discussion about complicated about forgiveness is complicated. Um, And, you know, you mix in something like tax and tax deductions with it and it becomes even more complicated. Um, I do think that, you know, something has to give. Yeah. All right. Well, that was Kelly Phillips-Herb crunching the numbers, trying to send a kid to college. Uh, Kelly, thanks so much for uh, talking with me. Thank you. And that'll do it for today's Talking Tax. You can find up-to-the-minute news and latest tax and accounting developments at our website, news.bloombergtax.com. That website, once again, is news.bloombergtax.com. Today's Talking Tax was produced by myself, David Schultz, and Rachel Daigle. Patrick Ambrosio is our editor. Our executive producer is Josh Block. From Washington, I'm David Schultz. Thanks for listening. Those nine justices in Washington, they can be pretty hard to keep track of. That's where we come in. 
I'm Jordan Rubin. And I'm Kimberly Robinson. On our podcast, Cases and Controversies, we give you a week-by-week accounting of the Supreme Court. The filings, the arguments, the opinions, and much, much more. So check in on Fridays with Cases and Controversies to find out what's coming up on the horizon at the Supreme Court. Download and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.